Welcome back, everybody, to another Basement Binge episode, part of this Halloween binge for this year, which I'm very excited about. Moving on to a film that I've been waiting to talk about, M- more than talk about, I've been waiting to watch, Coraline, combining fun Halloween films with my love for animation, particularly stop-motion animation from the always amazing Leica Studios. So let's get into the episode and let's talk about Coraline. So let's start with the first segment here, Two Cents, which is completely spoiler-free. So if you're one of those rare individuals like myself who had not seen this film and you don't want it spoiled, feel free to listen to Two Cents worry-free. I'll let you know before the spoilers happen. Here we go. Coraline has intrigued me for the longest time. It was one of those films that I just knew about without knowing anything about it. And it just, I just heard about Coraline. Then I fell in love with Laika kind of a while ago with Kubo and the Two Strings, which you can go check out that episode, also an episode on Missing Link. And so ever since seeing that, I've been waiting to get to this episode so that I could view Laika's first feature film, Coraline, and, and kind of what started the love for Laika in this cult classic that is Coraline. Now, after viewing it for this first time, I know that this is going to be a yearly classic at Halloween. Because like The Nightmare Before Christmas, the last Halloween episode, it just fits the time of year really well. But the enjoyment I have for it goes way beyond just its particular flavor. Like the story, for example, it really surprised me. It's simply entertaining. It's very light and easy to enjoy. Coraline is a fantastic carrier. Coraline is a fantastic character. And all the idiosyncrasies of her little house and everyone in it is great to explore. The journey is a bit out of left field and and kind of weird, not kind of extremely weird and surprised me, but I never once disliked it. I was along for the ride and just enjoying it. It reminds me of a children's book in the best way possible. Like that is a genuine compliment and it should remind me of a children's book. It's based off one, but it has these amazing visuals like a children's book to go along with a unique character on a weird adventure in a story that is simple and entertaining without ever being boring. Like, if I think of a children's book that's fun to read, that is a pretty good definition, while also being a great definition for this film, while still having really amazing messages that are important and do have value beyond just entertainment. And, and, and visually, of course, like I already mentioned, this film is just incredible. I've been saying for a while that Leica just pushes the boundaries of stop motion animation, and they have done that here as well. They are crazy ambitious with how they use stop motion animation. Just before recording, I was telling my wife about all the things I was going to mention in this episode, and she was just kind of shocked at how much work stop motion animation is and and how much Leica really pushes it to its limits and puts in a lot of work. Both from like the simple color palette and and production design and and composition of this film, it's just great to look at. But also the way that animation, the, the format of stop motion animation is push to its limits with camera movement, character movement, framing, all those things, it, the lighting, it, this is just a fantastic stop motion animation. So long story short, Coraline was a great surprise to me. It is up there with one of those films that you can call simply rewatchable. You can put it on and just simply watch it and enjoy the time you spend on it. It's a list of great films and I'm glad to add Coraline to the list. The character of Coraline especially being one of my favorites. So that's two cents. To talk about the film anymore, we're going to have to get into spoilers. But before we get into spoilers, I want to let you know that you can leave a review on Podchaser if you like this episode, podchaser.com slash the basement binge. That's a great way to support the show. Let me know what you think of the episode. Or if you don't like the episode, leave a not great review and that's great feedback as well. It's always appreciated. Podchaser.com slash the basement binge linked in the show notes. 
The reason for Podchaser, great site for reviewing podcasts, helps them all be in one consistent place where I can see them. On top of that, speaking of Podchaser, Matt, the great friend from Matt Goes to the Movies, he was in on the last episode about Dune. He is currently doing a giveaway on his show involving Podchaser. So if you want to be entered for that giveaway, go check out Matt Goes to the Movies wherever you get your podcasts. Listen to one of his recent episodes and to see how to enter yourself for those uh, free movies he's given away. On top of that, if you want to follow me on social media, that is linked in the show notes, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. If you are here in the US, I'm sorry for my international listeners. I'm working on it, but it's kind of limited what I can do. So if you're here in the US and you follow me and you can message me every month, I have three screen passes I can give away through Movies Anywhere. So message me if you're one of the first three, I'll let you use a free screen pass. A screen pass is just something through Movies Anywhere, which is completely free that lets you just, in essence, rent one of the movies that I own. There's a big long list. If you want to see that list, it will be posted on my social media accounts. If you want to see the list of films, it will be posted on Instagram and Facebook. Again, link in the show notes. Let's move on to the next segment here. Pick your poison. Brief explanation of what that is. It's the rating scale here at the Basin Binge. We don't use stars. We don't use percentages, numbers. We use one of four options, all based on how we would interact with the film after watching it this time. Bottom of the list, never watch it again. Straightforward. Above that is to stream it. It's on a service that you're already paying for. You're looking for something to watch. This will fill that hole for you. Above that is rent it. Be willing to pay a few dollars for it when the time comes. Above that, buy a top ranking you can give it. Spend the dough on it. Watch it as many times as you want. And for me, without a doubt, this is a buy. One, I already own it. I've Got it for my birthday with the new releases that Leica just came out for their four uh, f- four of their films, Coraline, Paranor, and Box Trolls, and Kubo. I got all four of them pre-ordered for my birthday, which was really nice of the individuals who, who did that for me. But I hadn't even, oh, I, I never watched this film. <laughs> of those four that I got for my birthday, Kubo was the only one that I had seen. But I knew that I would love these others because I love Leica, and, and if nothing else, I would love the stop motion. On top of that, I just have heard great things about these films. But that being said, to actually stick to the rating of Pick Your Poison, this is a buy in that I know that this is a film I'm going to enjoy consistently. On top of one of the things I really enjoy about buying films is that you get the bonus features. And on top of getting the director's commentary, which was just fantastic to watch and listen to in preparation for this episode, particularly stop motion, I just I want to soak up all the bonus features that I can get on top of all of that, I just know I'm going to watch this again, at least every single Halloween. It, it matches that season so well. And the story of gratitude and appreciation, it's always great. And Coraline and her independence and self-reliance makes her one of my favorite characters ever. And is just a story that I would love to revisit consistently. So I know I'm going to be watching this again for the rest of my life. So let's move on to the next segment, Live Up. This is going to be interesting, especially for the legacy that Coraline has carried in my mind for so long. Live Up is the segment where I talk about my expectations going into the film and if it was able to live up to them. So talking about the legacy of Coraline is kind of unique. I bet that if you were to ask anybody, just pick a random person to mention 10 Halloween movies, Coraline would probably be in that list nine out of 10 times. I don't know why, like it doesn't take place in Halloween. It's kind of just Halloween-y in the way that it's very similar to The Nightmare Before Christmas and kind of its gothic vibe and, you know, fantasy, you know, skeletons and ghouls type of stuff going on. So that being said, I'd always heard about this film similar to The Nightmare Before Christmas, but not quite to the same extent. This has a really cold following. People love Coraline and people who love it 
love to let you know that they love it. Not in like a bad way. And that, that kind of came across wrong, but they just, it's clear that they love it and they have good things to say about it. So for whatever reason, I was just expecting something kind of special because I know that I'm a geek for stop motion animation, particularly Leica. So I knew that it had that legacy being Leica's first film. It had that going forward just through my own interests. But I know that people aren't as crazy stop motion animation as me. Not that people aren't, but the majority of people aren't. And so that wouldn't be the sole reason that people would like this film. So I was expecting something in the story to be kind of special. And while it is special and I love it, it just isn't special in the way I expected. I don't know what type of special I expected, but just not this. It's very similar to the the last Halloween episode, The Nightmare Before Christmas, that most of the love comes from, I'm going to assume, the gothicness of this and the way it matches the flavor of Halloween. Not many other films are this well done and also this idiosyncratic in the Halloweenness of it. But I, I'm again, I'm not really sure what I was expecting for the story. So to answer the question very clearly, no, it did not live up to my expectations because I had the wrong expectation. I was expecting some universal emotional message in the film that everyone loved. But what makes it memorable more than anything is the style uh, and the character. Again, like The Nightmare Before Christmas. Now, yes, there is a message that I'm very excited to talk about and fall in. Again, like The Nightmare Before Christmas. Both of these films have just really kind of blown me in the way in the way that I really valued the message they had, which I never would have assumed either of them did. Just, again. I'm, oh, anyway, I'm very excited to get to fall in. But to speak a little bit more about my expectations. The film did not meet my expectations in that specialness that I was expecting that I can't really describe. But it did exceed my expectations in many ways. With their first feature film, Leica is already blowing me away with stop motion. Again, I've said so many praiseworthy things about Leica and Missing Link, particularly Missing Link in the way it uses stop motion. Oh my gosh. If you don't watch if you watch that movie for nothing else besides its stop motion, it is incredible. Even here with Coraline, from the lighting and production design and the sets and the camera work the tunnel to the other world, for example, the garden, the metal spiderweb, the transformation and, and morphine ING of the other mother, all of Coraline's outfits. This animation is just incredible. Like I mentioned the two cents, the way that those are all used, like is just pushing us to his limits. For example, let's just talk about a few things here and live up. Coraline has nine different outfits with some of the outfits having up to 45 pairs of that outfit for continuity purposes where, you know, they need to be covered in a certain amount of mud or roughed up a specific type of way. And so they have those different outfits so that they can match to the puppet to use in the specific scene. Each one of those outfits were all handmade. I'm, I'm going to talk more about that in binge points, but this, this is ambitious for stop motion and just animation in general to have so many different looks for a character. Watch an animated movie next time and pay attention to how many times they change their outfit. I'm going to bet most of the time they don't. And it's just because of the complexity of animating a character and also having to change their outfits. Each costume here is unique. It's visually stunning while also adding to Coraline's character in a really unique way. Each one of them had to be handmade. It's just, just incredible. It would have been easier to think, oh, if we have to handmake all these outfits, let's just stick to one. But no, they, they really went for it. On top of that, they really innovated 3D printing for the purpose of face replacement animation. If you don't know what that is, Coraline's face and most of the characters' faces here 
you can't see it because they use visual effects to hide it in the film, but there's actually a divide pretty much right dead center in their eyes where the bottom half of the face, you know, the cheeks, the nose, the mouth can be replaced with different expressions. And the top half of the face, the eyebrows can be adjusted with different expressions. So the combination of those two makes for thousands and thousands and thousands of different expressions in addition to the manipulation of the eyelids and the eyes and, and all that. So they use 3D printing to create all of those faces for the characters and really and really innovated the use of that in stop motion. They built tons of sets. Obviously, they have to build sets for stop motion. They have to build sets for any movie. But here, they built tons. For example, the garden, the very famous garden from Coraline. About 50 shots were needed in the garden. But in order to be able to film the movie on schedule in about three to four months, more than one shot needed to be worked on at once. So they had to build 15 sets of the one garden with about six of them being duplicates. The rest are all unique to match the scene and how the scene is unique and how the garden is unique in that scene. I mean, that's a ton of sets. Again, I'll talk more about the sets and binge points. These are just kind of some brief examples of how ambitious this animation is. So other example of this is in the scene where tons of blue flowers grow in front of Coraline. They sprout out of the ground and grow. I'm going to talk more about it in binge points, but each growth or each movement of the flower is a small manipulation by an animator little by little until it expands all the way. And so just to think about animating each of those flowers to grow is just absolutely ridiculous. Then there's a scene where there's over 25 little rats in the scene, all being animated and moving with squiggly little tails that go in tons of different directions and the camera's moving through them. I mean, that's just nuts that they did that. Another example, they have actual fog, real genuine photographed fog. It's not cotton. It's not CGI. It is real fog captured in a camera. You can't do that in stop motion, okay? If you don't know stop motion, you take a picture. Then the animator goes in there and has to adjust the puppet in the background, anything else that moves, and take another picture. If you have fog, sure, you can take one picture of fog, but by the time you make the adjustments to get your next frame, the fog is going to be in completely different position. And putting those frames next together, the fog's going to be jumping around like crazy. It's not going to look good. I'll explain how they did that in two cents. But watching the film, before I figured out how they did it, I just could not understand. It didn't look like CGI, especially for the time. It had the natural pluming and, and wispiness that fog would have as if it were captured through a camera, but it was moving. And it was consistent in the way that it moved. How did they do that in stop motion? It, it's incredible. So there's just a ton of work that goes into stop motion. If you don't know, here's a little idea of how long it takes. Seven seconds, seven seconds of the film took an animator about a week. So one animator in one of the bonus features, she was animating a particular difficult scene, 24 seconds long in the movie, took her about four weeks to make. Maybe you hear that time frame and you think that's just ridiculous. Before we get into the next segment, let me just briefly give you an idea of how much work this is if you don't already know. The scene where the other father makes a song for Coraline, that's a fantastic scene. I love it. It's a great song as well. Think about all the things that are moving, okay? Each movement is a photo being taken differently in succession creates movement. So each key on the piano that has to be depressed and then lifted back up and the next one depressed, the hands of the piano that have to be adjusted, the father's hands that fit within those gloves, the articulating arms, on those gloves, 
the other father's mouth and his head, the way he whips his hair around and that moves, the way he's singing and his mouth has to match the voice acting that was pre-recorded, his body position, the movement of the piano and the little strings and gears inside of them, Coraline's reaction, the, the piano is rotating, right? So you set all this up, you get it all positioned and still it's a bunch of puppets. You take a picture, then you go in there and you manipulate it all to the next position very, very minimally. You take another picture and you do that 24 times. After you do that 24 times, you get one second. So that is happening for, I don't know, like 30 seconds. Oh yeah. And then on top of that, we have multiple camera angles and the camera is moving. Are you kidding me? We have multiple animators working on this at once who not only have to match the animation to the voice acting, they have to match their animation to one another so that it consistently feels like one character. All of that for just like a little song that when you watch, you're just thinking about how cute the song is. There's just so much work that goes into this. It's just incredible to think about the care and detail that these animators put in. And I'm, I'm grateful for it because I love to watch it. The film, if you haven't noticed already, is exceptional when it comes to visually. But on top of that, the larger part of the film that most of us are enjoying all of the time is the story. And I already had mentioned how the story and character of Coraline really surprised me. It, it is just simply enjoyable in the best way while still having a great message that I am really excited to talk about in Falling. It was just something that I really, really enjoyed watching. And that's just an extreme compliment to say something that's just in every sense, just enjoyable. It is fantastic. A fantastic achievement in filmmaking, really. No, whether the film is Coraline or anything else, no, however it's made, to make something that's just enjoyable through and through is an impressive thing. So, no, the film didn't meet my expectations because I had weird expectations, but it also totally exceeded them at the same time. So let's move on to the next segment here, Binge Points. Binge Points is Easter eggs, details, trivia, behind the scenes things. Really the rich segment here when it comes to things like stop motion, which I could honestly go on and on forever. So as promised, let's talk about those other scenes that I had mentioned in Live Up. So let's first talk about the garden, right? So as the other father goes on his little praying mantis tractor thing and all those little blue flowers pop up in front of Coraline, they're all at different angles. So the way that that was filmed, those are really, really small flowers that would have been impossible for the animator to manipulate. So they made one bigger flower and then shot it like normal, like regular stop motion, but had tons of different mirrors being captured in that same photo as well so that they could use different angles of the flower and then just using visual effects, comp it in to different locations and different angles in the garden. The great ingenuity in doing that. So that's how they did that. The other thing I promised, the fog. How did they do that? So what they did is with the specific sets they had where the fog needed to be used, they painted them completely matte black. So there was just a black set. Then the VFX artists, they used actual fog. So you mixing dry ice and something else. They poured the fog over the set and filmed it, not, not took pictures, filmed it. And so they got fog rolling over the set naturally and captured it with a camera at the same angle that it was going to be comped into the shot that the animated shot later. If they needed to add a puppet into the mix of it, they would add a puppet. If the fog was going to be manipulated and moved by a puppet moving, they would use like a little air blower thing, kind of like a duster to blow the fog and manipulate that to match the movement of the fog to the movement of the character. It is just impressive the amount of work and planning and, and foresight that goes into making something like that really work. It is just, and it works so well. It's so seamless. It's incredible. 
just the animation in general is, is just incredible. But there's so many things I want to talk about with the animation because I just love it. So other crazy things about the animation that was done here. At one point in the movie, Coraline shows 16 different expressions in the span of about 35 seconds. You think, okay, what's the big deal? But then think about stop motion and how each of those expressions has to be animated by hand. 24 frames for each second of film that we're watching. So roughly 35 seconds, that's 840 individual frames that have to be captured and manipulated one at a time. And it's not just the emotions happening in the scene, there's everything else, her hair movement, maybe the background's moving, anything else that's happening. It's incredible. There's another incredible scene and achievement here in animation. This is, marks the first time in stop motion that there is an animated morphine, ING, sequence of a character morphing into another thing. It's never been accomplished before this film. It runs for about 130 frames or about six seconds and the transformation of the other mother into the spider looking thing. I just, I can't even imagine how they did that, but it is incredible to watch. And I, when it happened on the screen, I just thought, wow, I don't don't know how they did that, but they did that. It's incredible. Stop motion animation can be kind of limited because it's difficult. And then you, if you add camera movement into that, it gets even more difficult. So a lot of the time the camera is locked off. Well, here the camera just feels completely free. It it moves a lot and moves in really dynamic ways. It's just impressive. So other things that I mentioned in Live It Up that I need to elaborate a little bit more here on Binge Points, the production design and costuming. So the character of Coraline, there's actually 24 puppets of Coraline used in the making of the movie. Each individual puppet took 10 individuals and about three to four months to make, just, just to make the puppet that was then used for three to four months in filming. And I had mentioned how everything was made by hand. So like you just heard, the puppets had to be made by hand. The costumes have to be made by hand. The sets have to be made by hand. Everything needs to be made by hand because if you're making a costume and there's buttons on it, you can't just go out and buy miniature buttons for a seven inch puppet. You have to make the buttons to match the scale of everything else. You got to make thread. You got to make hair, whatever. Everything has to be made to match the scale of the movie. And then you got to build the sets. For the sets of this film, over 130 sets were built across 52 different stages at the studio, spanning 183,000 square feet. The 52 different sh- stages were the most ever developed for a stop motion animated feature. And listening to the director commentary, he mentioned something really fascinating about how they built these sets. This was shot in 3D, and I'm really sad I wasn't, I don't have a 3D TV. Matt, I hope that you've watched this film in 3D on your 3D TV. I'm very jealous of you. Anyway, when building the sets and wanting to take advantage of this 3D format that they were using, they built the sets of the home in the regular world smaller with less depth. And then when you go into the other world, those rooms are bigger. They have more depth so that you can just kind of feel that there's a little bit more expansion. It's not as claustrophobic. You can breathe a little bit more. And then they intentionally turn up the 3D so that as you go into this other world, you really notice the difference and the depth that you feel there. I mean, like that's just ingenious use of stop motion and how having a genuine 3D physical space and being able to use that differently married with the 3D format makes me jealous that 3D isn't really as popular. Maybe the theaters will decide to do a rescreening of Coraline in 3D and I'll go see it because that's incredible. And it's even better how they marry those two things together as Coraline transitions into the other world. There's an expanding tuttle that really kind of expresses that idea on top of it just looking great. It's fantastic stuff. I really, really love it. And I want to talk about another set here. So when Coraline leaves and she's returning to the well and there's all those little trees, those are actually pieces of popcorn 
that are spray painted pink and then cut into little pieces. So the crew spent about 800 hours painting 250, 250,000, 250,000 pieces of popcorn, pink on the outside, red on the kernel to stand in as a blossom for the nearly 70 trees. That is a ton of work. And it just, I mean, it's something that watching the film, you wouldn't really think about the work that went into it. You just think, oh yeah, the blossoms and you're focused on Coraline and the story. But when you understand these things, it's, it's just incredible to go back and rewatch. Other bench points I do have that don't have to deal with animation, I promise, but I've only got two of them. The first is that during the meal where the other mother gives Coraline a cake, it says, welcome home. And it has a double loop on the O in home, but not in welcome. So according to graphology, a double loop on a lowercase O means that the person who wrote it is lying. So there's a double loop in home, a regular O in welcome. Coraline is welcome but she's not home. I mean, who thinks of that? That's incredible. Other bench point here, the other mother is always making this delicious food for Coraline, but there is never any food on her plate. She never eats anything and there's nothing on her plate. Even the other father, he will eat. He will have a giant plate full of things, but the other mother, her plate is always empty. So I guess she's just fattening Coraline up to get ready to eat her, which is again, creepy, but just matches the story really well. So that's all the bench points that I have, the majority of them about the incredible animation here, but also just fun little details in the film. Granted, I'm sure as I rewatch this again, which I totally will, I'll have more, but this being my first time, those were the only two that I really noticed. That brings us to our second to last segment here, least and likes. This is where I talk about my least favorite scene and my favorite scene. Sorry, cop out. One of those moments, I don't have a least favorite scene. I sat down writing these notes. I, I just could not think of a moment that I had something negative to say about. I'm sure if I really thought about it, I could pick one, but there's not one that just jumps out as something to say anything that's not positive about. And my love for stop motion animation definitely helps that. But I do have a favorite scene, right? I could talk about so many different scenes for the way that they use stop motion, but my favorite scene is when, in in the finale, with the other mother being really spidery and how the floor kind of sinks into a spider web and it goes black and white and the color changes oh my gosh, I just jaw on the floor visually watching it from the the color changes, the movement of everything, the movement of the characters, the movement of the sets, how everything, the camera movement, everything adjusting. But it's not just the animation. It's all the things about the film that I love coming together. The incredible self-reliance of Coraline and the incredible character she is, the visuals and the ambitious animation, which I've talked tons about the story working in its simplicity while being super creative. It's just a fantastic last act and all of that combining in an an incredible scene that's ambitious to watch and thrilling to watch and and just exciting. And for so many reasons, exciting for the character of Coraline, exciting for the story, exciting for animation. It's a fantastic scene. Even thinking about it now, just makes me want to go rewatch it. It really is an incredible scene to watch. So with that, let's move on to the last segment here, Fall In, which I'm, again, very, very excited to get to. This and the last, I I know I keep mentioning it, but it was just a great episode, The Nightmare Before Christmas. I was not expecting the Fall In segment for these two films to be really substantial. It's particularly Nightmare because I know these films are mainly loved off the flavor and the look of it. So when that's, you know, style over substance, as people say, but this film's definitely got both. So... Fall in. Messages, meanings from the film, or as my dad used to tell me when he would tell me uh, bedtime stories, the moral of the story is, right? So I asked my wife about this as the film ended. So what would you say the moral of the story is? And we kind of came up with two things together. The first, don't go searching for what you want in other places. 
Just make it happen with what you already have. And two, even if you have all you wanted, you still wouldn't be happy. Coraline is one of my favorite characters with her self-reliance that she develops. She just makes things happen for good and for bad. As an example, she gets the, to the other world through her intuition and manipulation of the moment and of people. Yes, her mother is the one who has to get the key to unlock the door, but her mother only unlocked the door through Coraline's efforts and her understanding how to annoy her mother to get what she wants. Is that necessarily a good thing? I don't know, but it's definitely self-reliance and it's definitely make it happen attitude. And that continues with Coraline throughout the rest of the story. She doesn't really rely on anyone else. She wants to go exploring. She wants to find things. She wants to understand things. She makes it happen. Yes, the cat did help Coraline but Coraline was putting in the work on her own. It's not like the cat was making her do things. He helped, and that's fantastic, but Coraline is incredibly self-reliant, and I really enjoy that. Now, applying that into our own lives and tying it back into those, the two morals from the story that we had, while we may not have to free ourselves from the other mother and this terrible world and children being eaten and our parents being trapped in a snow globe, we don't have to do that. But we do have to free ourselves from this idea that somewhere there's this hidden world that has all we want is perfect. We have to work to overcome that idea and make things happen where we are right now. Improving ourselves instead of wishing to escape to a magical solution, right? That even if we just magically got everything we wanted, we wouldn't be happy because we've got to make things happen where we are. And that takes self-reliance and that takes uh, ambition like Coraline has. So again, in its simplicity, the story is just working well in the character of Coraline and how she possesses qualities that are worthwhile. But now we have the other side of that. And I haven't stopped thinking about it since I finished the film. We were talking about the ending. My wife and I, like I said, we were finding out the moral of the story. And then I asked her a question. What if her parents didn't start paying more attention to her when she came back? Like as a child, wanting the attention of your parents is a very worthwhile thing. Parents should pay attention to their children amongst the demands of life, including work. So what if Coraline goes through all this work, this dedication, being self-reliant, doing kind of, not kind of, incredibly brave things, and she comes back and it's all the same? I don't know. I I haven't stopped thinking about it, hoping to have an answer by the time I recorded this episode a few weeks later. And I I don't know. What if all the work, what if after all that work, What if after all that work, things are just the same? Because that's often how things are in life. We put in a lot of work and then we get a moderate difference or the same. Does that mean that the work wasn't necessary? No, it it, it should not. And I'm speaking to myself here, should not undermine the work that you put in to get there. Sometimes people have to do their own work. But on top of that, I think that they make a bigger difference than we realize. It's just that we're making a difference where we are. We're not fighting against another mother who's trying to eat us and who's trapped three children and our parents in a snow globe. We don't have that drastic odds and change and difference that we're going against. We don't have the contrast between the other world and the real world. We only have this one. And so the change is a little more slow. (laughs) I was searching for a word and I kept saying drastic. What's the opposite of drastic? I can't remember. Slow is what came out. And so sometimes it does feel that way that we put in all this effort and we get the same results when we're getting different results. It's just a little bit slower. Lastly, I want to talk about YB. 
He is not in the book. If you didn't know, this is based off a children's book. YB is not in the book. He was added by Henry Selick who wanted to create a worthwhile partner for Coraline. When adding a character, he said, if we're going to do this, I want to make him a worthwhile partner. He, he, those are his words from the commentary. And YB doesn't do a ton. He does do small things. I don't want to take away from that at all. But more than anything else, he is there to listen to Coraline. Henry Selick, the director and writer, in his own words, said he was made so that Coraline wouldn't be walking around talking to herself. He wanted someone that Coraline could talk to in the movie. And that's what good partners need to do at times. They're there to listen and to help when needed in small ways. But being a good listener does more than we know it does. And maybe I'm missing something with the character of Wybie. But when I sat back and thought about it, what made him a good partner? I thought that that was a perfect explanation of what made him a good partner. He was there to listen to Coraline. Even when he couldn't talk, he was willing to listen because maybe he did talk a little too much, but he always listened. So once again, I'm just, I'm just blown away by these films that I always just kind of put in a corner as, oh yeah, that's those Halloween films that those weird gothic people like. And I'm, I'm looking at them. I'm being blown away by the craft and care that goes into creating these things. I'm enjoying it. It's making me enjoy Halloween and the spooky season in a different way than I ever have before, while also finding extreme, relatable, important value in both of these films so far, The Nightmare Before Christmas and now Coraline. These last two fall-in segments for those two films have been some of my favorites that I've reflected on consistently since recording them or writing them or watching the film. I promise this isn't something that I just sit down and sound all, all altruistic and then just stop the recording. It, it seriously sticks with me, and I was never expecting to get that from The Nightmare Before Christmas and Coraline. I almost consider taking Fallen out for this Halloween binge that we're doing. And I'm glad I kept it in because this has been very rewarding. On top of that, I'm just glad that I found another great film to enjoy. Like is knocking it out of the park. I should have never doubted. Not that I doubted, but I shouldn't have had any concern. Coraline, fantastic film. Great addition to the Halloween binge this year. So subscribe to The Basin Binge if you're interested in more Halloween films coming. Edward Scissorhands is next. And then one last film from Malika, Paranorman. On top of that, just released an episode for Dune. Other movies coming out in theaters. Eternals is coming up. So definitely subscribe for that. If you want to see some movie explanations or follow me on social media, check me out on TikTok. Additionally, follow me on Instagram. Reach out to me if you follow me and you can get one of those three free screen passes. Leave reviews on Podchaser. Check out Matt's show if you want to win yourself some free movies that he's given away. All of that linked in the show notes. Thank you so much for listening. Once again, this is The Basement Binge. My name is Harrison. That's all for now. Ciao, ciao. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.